Live from Nordia House in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. May the narrative be with you. Um, A little over five years ago, right before Labor Day weekend, I received a call from Roberta telling me that my mother was in the hospital and she was dying. And it wasn't a surprise. I'd gone several times to visit her in the hospital. Um, And this time, I kind of thought it was really so. Roberta, I'd gone to visit not so long before, and she had been diagnosed herself with stage four cancer. And she was in denial of that. And I knew both of them needed support. They were kind of wacky types of people. They, um, they consulted tarot cards if they had a problem. They counted on their friends to help them financially. They had no problems asking people for anything, which seemed so strange to me because it was not something I would do. And people supported them and they believed in them. They were kind and people were kind back to them, people who had things to offer. My mother had left us her five children, myself the oldest, when I was 16 and my youngest brother was eight. And she decided to go out. We were from the East Coast and she headed west and just decided to explore everything, every kind of Buddhism, every kind of life training, um, rebirthing, and we were left behind as her children. Still, there was love towards her, and when she partnered with Roberta, who she'd been with for 35 years, we were very comfortable with that. Roberta was like a translator for us. We were supportive of her. It wasn't our lives. It wasn't who we were, but we loved her, and we knew that our mother was doing what was best for her. So it was time to go. It was time to go see my mother and support Roberta. And my siblings on the East Coast supported me. I packed my bag. I headed out the door towards the airport to go to San Francisco, and I noticed that my sun gold tomatoes were perfectly ripe. And they were something that I loved and that my mother loved. I grabbed several of them and put them in a small container on the top of my purse and left my house. Roberta was gonna meet me at the airport, and she did. I got to the airport, there she was. We headed directly to the hospital. When I got to the hospital, I realized it was good that I came. The first thing when I saw my mother in her room, there was a doctor and a nurse saying their goodbyes. My mother was great at getting fan clubs wherever she went, and she'd been a regular person in the hospital, and it was great that she still had insurance, and it was a clean place where she could go. So there she was, and I went, and it had always been hard for me to hug her. I had this feeling that if I hugged her, I would catch what she had. I would catch what this five foot tall, about five foot wide, 
obese woman with a hernia, a heart condition, broken bones because she hadn't done much, a lot of things that I felt were irresponsible in her life, and then choosing to do things, everything occult, instead of facing what I thought was reality. And it all melted away because I realized this was the end. And so I embraced her, and she said, oh, baby, I'm so glad to see you. Oh, you have those sun gold tomatoes. And she took a couple of them out of the basket and massaged them like worry stones. And she had them in her hands, and I just knew she wasn't going to be able to eat them. But she totally digested them. She totally loved them, held them in her hands, and she had them in her hands for the last day and a half before she died. And when my mother died, I noticed her hospital gown was slightly open, and I noticed her back. And it was beautiful, just like I remembered when I was the youngest. My youngest memories of her freckled back in the ocean, in the sunshine, swimming with her. That still existed. Roberta and I left the hospital, and we went back to their apartment. Their apartment was amazing. Every flower arrangement that had ever been given to them, mostly roses, were dried, covered with more dust than blossom, <laughs> in every crevice of their house. Their carpet was brown shag that did not hide a myriad of sins. <laughs> it was a wild, difficult place to go and stay and visit. And I really knew this was getting to be my last trip. My mother had died, and their house of tarot cards was caving. And so we walked into the house. The dining room, the living room were an open space. I was in the living room, Roberta standing in the dining room. And I could tell when we both received cell phone calls that she was getting the same call that I was. Roberta said, what is it that you want? And I knew, because the person on my phone, the person who had called me was from the hospital. And they were calling because they wanted us to know that my mother was an organ donor. And they wanted to harvest her organs as soon as possible. And my question was the same. <laughs> what do you want? And what they wanted were her corneas and her skin. And I thought, yeah, I have her back. So Roberta and I sat down. We had some time together. We comforted each other for several hours. Now it was Saturday. I let Roberta know that I had made plans and I was going to be flying home on Sunday, a night flight in time for my regular swim, which I did in the Columbia River, which was from the Washington side to the Oregon side, every Labor Day. And I realized my mother would want me to do it, and I also knew Roberta would want me to do it too, and I was registered to go, and I was looking forward to that swim. 
Roberta knew I was going to come back shortly after and handle everything I could. It was a Labor Day weekend, so my mother wouldn't even be cremated until Tuesday. My mother was waiting in the morgue at the hospital. So, Roberta, after us spending time together, after her having some time to sort of absorb the fact that this death had happened, she decided that what we should do is contact the morgue and take their 16-year-old toy poodle, Ruby, to the morgue so that the poodle could get that my mother had died. She wanted the poodle to have closure. Yes, this is still going on in my life. You know, my mother died, but it's still happening. So I was, I was ready, willing, and able. This, is, this was my life with them. And, you know, when this ends, I knew this probably isn't going to happen again. So Roberta made the call, and it was Saturday, Labor Day weekend. We show up at the morgue where they tell us to go, and there's nobody else there except for a woman at the counter. You know, who, who would dream that there wouldn't be a lot of people hanging out at a morgue on Labor Day weekend? <laughs> so anyway, we, um, we end up waiting, and we're waiting and waiting and waiting. And, you know, an hour has gone by, and I finally go ask the woman at the desk, why, why are we waiting? And she said, that they ha have to have a chaplain come. We can't see or view the body by ourselves. It's, it's really the policy, and that made sense to me. And so very shortly after, the chaplain of the weekend comes. And of course, because when all things with my mother and Roberta are involved, there are miracles. The chaplain is a cantor, a woman with a guitar. She's quite lovely and she escorts us to the morgue. The morgue looks just like you, I would expect, kind of like in, in crime television. There are all these drawers. The room is cold, relatively small. My mother is lying on a gurney. All the drawers are closed behind her. There are little stools, and the stools have wheels. There are three of them. The space is tight. Cantor Rita goes towards the foot. She's the first one to enter with her guitar, so she has plenty of room to play. Roberta sits next to her with Ruby the Poodle on her lap. And I moved up towards the front of my mother. I held her hand. Her hand was cold, and the room was cold. And she was wearing a surgical cap and her eyes were stitched closed. Her body was ballooned more than usual. She had a blanket over her. And the cantor started to sing Jewish songs. Here I was in this scene, and my mother, although all of my siblings referred to her as a Jew boo wackadoo, 
she wasn't really one for Jewish songs. So I thought, this is my opportunity for requests. <laughs> and my mother loved folk music. And so I asked Cantor Rita if she would sing a folk song. And she looked at me and acted as though she didn't know any. And I pushed further. And finally, she acquiesced. And she started singing the Dylan song, Forever Young, which I remember covered by Joan Baez. And my mother loved that and listened to it a lot. As she did that, Roberta moved in closer. She lifted little Ruby onto my mother's leg. Roberta watched as Ruby climbed up my mother's leg, did that circular things that dogs do when she reached my mother's belly and lied down. When she lied down, I could hear the plastic <laughs> beneath the blanket. I held her hand, I looked at her. I did not mind the sight of any of this. We headed back to my mother's house, my mother and Roberta's house. I got ready, and the next day I flew out. The next night, a night flight. I was met at the airport. I hooked up with the people I usually swim with, went almost directly to the swim in the Columbia River Gorge. My mother and Roberta loved the Columbia River Gorge and it was a beautiful place to be, and the day was as nice as any days I'd ever made that swim. I got onto the Sternwheeler boat that goes over to the Washington side, where all the swimmers, about 500 of us, jump off into the cold water and then swim to Oregon. I jumped into the water, and it was cold. I looked at all the scenery. I told my mother I was taking her with me. I thought about the lyrics to the song, Forever Young. I thought about the lyrics that I can hardly ever remember. The lyrics I can hardly ever remember are, may you always do for others and let others do for you. And the reason I can't remember those is because I can't ever see the difference. <laughs>